The Refined Podcast features conversations around art and faith and the refining experience of engaging with God, our art, and each other for the sake of holiness and wholeness. I'm your host, Chris. Welcome to the conversation. And I just, I think I want to go back to, I mean, I know it probably feels weird. Like we're jumping into like the deep end of the pool and we literally just are making contact with each other for like the first time. <laughs> so I know for some people it's like, that's super weird, but, um, I, I don't know. I live in the deep end of the pool, so I don't have a problem doing that. I feel like life is short and crazy and I don't have time for um, chit chat about nonsense when like real things are happening. I totally am right there with you. And okay, it does good. not feel weird. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel weird at all. For, for some okay, odd so reason, it feels very normal. Good, good. Then we're going to we're gonna jump in this pool together. And okay. um, I want to go back to... Um, your original comment that sparked the whole reason that you and I are having this conversation, because I had posted on Instagram um, about two muses and I'm going to reread the Wendell Berry quote. um, And then I'll read your comment and then we'll just jump in if that's okay. Just so there's a frame of reference. So I wrote, um, and this is from Wendell Berry. There are, it seems, two muses, the muse of inspiration who gives us inarticulate visions and desires and the muse of realization who turns again and again to say, it is yet more difficult than you thought. This is the muse of form. It may be then that the form serves us best when it works as an obstruction to baffle us and deflect us, to deflect our intended course. It may be that when we no longer know what to do, We have come to our real work, and when we no longer know which way to go, we have begun our real journey. The mind that is not baffled is not employed. The impeded stream is the one that sings. And then I said, um, yeah, that, filing this under the brain tab, things I can't stop thinking about. And I asked, what are you thinking about today? And you said, I will be very curious to hear others speak on maintaining their creative practice while living in trauma slash PTSD. That's me. So already there is the muse of realization, but then add to that the defeatedness of the trauma brain. And what does that equal? And you have a cute little (laughs) confused emoji. I suppose that this is what is on my mind a lot lately. In fact, I feel like God may be telling me that I should work this out and be a contributor to this topic. But bam, there's that muse of realization and double bam, there's the trauma brain. Grateful for your post. So um, I really appreciated your comment because it was honest. I always love an honest comment. I love when somebody um, can say something, um, not that I, I don't want to denigrate anybody's little simple comments because I'm queen mm-hmm. of leaving like a simple like, love this, you know, sometimes that's all you have time for. Um, But I love an honest comment because it's an invitation to a deep dive, which is what we're doing here. Um, And I told you, I messaged you and said that I had just spoken at my retreat on a similar vein um, because for the last, what is this? For the last like two years, I essentially stopped writing. I stopped journaling in 2020 Um, which now that's three years, I stopped journaling because um, there was a lot of personal stuff going on in my life, coupled with the pandemic that made it 
just impossible for me to even think about writing words. I just couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it. Um, I was resisting uh, having to put down some of those things. I was in counseling at the time and taking um, anti-anxiety slash antidepressants at the time. And I just felt like I don't want to write these things down. And so I just stopped writing. And I spoke at Refine on what I ended up, how I continued to practice my creative work during a season where words, I could not access them. I don't think I really could have written if I even wanted to. The desire was gone, but Mm -hmm. I think more than the desire being gone, I literally felt like there were times where I'd pull my journal out and think I'm gonna sit down and journal. And I couldn't, I mean, I have have a couple pages in my journal from, um, that carried over from 2019 into 2020. And in the beginning of the 2020 season, right before everything shut down, I was gearing up for my retreat. And I have a couple pages where I was writing about looking forward to the retreat. And then lockdown happened, bottom fell out of my personal life in some ways. And I just stopped. I could not return to that journal for like, I I don't think if you pay me money, I just couldn't do it. And that was very disorienting as somebody who identifies as a writer, (laughs) now I don't write anymore. Right. right. Um, And I felt really lost, but my creative energy was still there. Like I still had it, but I didn't know what to do with it because I was Mm -hmm. like, I can't, I can't access my normal mode. So I want to hear, I'll stop talking for a minute before I get into what I talked about. And I want to hear a little bit more about where you are with that. If you can share. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I, I feel like I have a million things I could say to that. <laughs> it's like, where do I reel it all in? Um, yeah, you know, I think as creatives, uh, it's it's really tough. Like when you're in the trauma or you're healing from trauma, there's two there's like two ways you can go about it, right? You can you can use your creative process to help you like process trauma or you can just totally take a break from it. So then there's like, okay, if I totally take a break from it because I just literally can't do it, like I just can't show up for it, which I think was the case for me until I sort of found some things that helped. Um, You just, you you find, like you said, you still had this creative energy. You just couldn't pick up your pen or your, you know, start typing this out. So I do think that there are a lot of tactics you know, that are good to know and to use. Um, I mean, for me, you know, I think it's also sort of about like reframing your creative practice. So, and, and, and there's lots of ways to do that. Like before I would have been like, well, I can't create unless I have like four hours, you know, <laughs> or um, if my, my kids are at school, so I have to have this whole day. And in trauma, you just really, you can't, you don't have that kind of time. So you can reframe your time. Like I can create in a 15 minute block, you know, or I can get something done, but then also reframing, you know, what you're creating your output. So like if you normally um, are a writer, then maybe it feels good to pick up a paintbrush or maybe it feels good to sculpt with wire, just like any other kind of like media that just kind of gets that out there. I think satisfies um but then there's just there's this other thing that I have been like super drawn to 
And it's so funny. I feel like we we're like this little pocket. I'm not, I don't spend a whole lot of time on Instagram. That's actually part of my trauma healing is that it's a little triggering for me. So I have to set boundaries, but um, of these like beauty seekers, you know, that we have found online. And I really think that as creatives, that is, that could be our creative output is just how we view life. Like we can just like walk around and like kind of, you know, view things through this lens of beauty and that is art and like the way that we like do anything is art so we could you know um the way we sing can be art the way we worship is art the way we read our bible can be artful like the way we look at a butterfly or like smell a flower like all of those things i think are really nourishing for a creative soul and that is art and so i think it's just reframing like what is our creative output what is you know, the art that we're engaging in right now. And I think it's okay for it to be different than what our typical, you know, practice really is. Yes. I, I appreciate that so much because I do, I agree with you. I think that it comes down to reframing what that is and also redefining creativity, because I think that sometimes we get stuck in this sort of textbook uh, definition of what creativity is. But like you said, Uh, I think noticing is a creative act. I think it can be a creative Mm -hmm. act. And that is so simple and takes no time. You know, it can literally be the walk to the mailbox and back. Um, Right. That there's this creative activity that's happening when you notice. Because I I think of noticing, and like you said, these people who are um, like-minded, who are looking for beauty, we're collecting it. We're, you know, we're sort of like, I'm, I have a friend, we call it sort of treasure hunting. Like we just want to store it up because we know we need it. And we know that like we may come back to it. Um, I think of photos like that, you know, storing up these images, these moments of beauty, because they they are something that I will return to on a day where I feel like I can't find anything I want to take a picture of or on a day where I feel like I just feel depleted. But I will look back at those images and go, Oh, but there was beauty there and I caught it, you know, I caught hold yes. of it for a minute. And so it's, you know, if you, like I just got the picture of like counting my money in my wallet. Like I can look at those pictures and be like, these are my, these are my treasures. I found beauty and I'm holding on to them. Yeah. But I think that redefining what creativity looks like in different seasons is necessary when you're dealing Absolutely. with trauma, especially because. I mean, I, one of the things I mentioned in my um, talk at Refine was how trauma steals your sense of wonder. And mm. when your sense of wonder is short-circuited and you can't access it easily or as easily as you're used to or whatever, um, it affects how creative you feel like you can be because I think creativity and wonder sort of hold hands with each other sure so if you if you're dealing if you're like in the throes of dealing with heavy trauma and grief and things like that that sense of wonder is sort of it can be really overshadowed Mm-hmm. And so the act, I think, of noticing even just that one act, let's just stick with that one for now, becomes an avenue through which you can reaccess your sense of wonder. And yeah. once you can reaccess that sense of wonder, 
you, your eyes become more and more open. And I mean, your literal eyes, but also like your heart eyes, your soul yeah. eyes to being able to see things differently. Um, and in that, sometimes that becomes at least a partial avenue to healing and recovery. I think, at least for yeah. me, that's been my experience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And another like thing that, that sort of makes me think of is when I was doing a bunch of research, I feel like I've just taken this on. I'm like, let me learn all I can about this. You know, there are, there's really two perspectives, I think, on how creatives can, you know, uh, address their trauma. And it's like this kingdom perspective. And then there's like an earthly perspective. And so I think, you know, a lot of what I was reading from these psychologists and, and, and therapists that were really kind of coming from this earthly perspective is just like, you have to show up. It's like, that's what makes you whole. And, you know, that's, um, that's where your healing comes from. And, you know, that's where you can have relief from pain. But then if we like turn to the Bible, um, if we're trying to avoid pain, then we're, you know, we're not walking like Christ and we're not becoming more like Christ. That's such a huge part, I think, of the gospel is to really understand the purpose in our pain. And, you know, um, your art is not what makes you whole. Jesus Christ is what makes you whole. And so it just kind of makes me think about, you know, your priorities as an artist, like if you're a believer, if you're a non-believer, totally different. But I think that leaning into that pain um, and really trying to understand what that means and what God is trying to teach you and show you, you know, it can really draw you into him and draw you into the word, keep you in the word, help your mind to just be sort of guarded with truth. And if you can get into that, that worship flow, I think it kind of helps you get into a creative flow because it just, I think it opens up your heart for appreciation, you know, for gratitude. And then you have space. Like then there's like some space that you've created to approach a creative, you know, practice, I think at right. that point. So it's kind of, it reminds me of like when you're fasting, those hunger pangs draw you into Christ. Well, when, when you're suffering in trauma and you just feel sort of paralyzed, you just, you just lean into God and you just lean into his word. And, you know, that's, it should just be like, you know, kind of like an instant reminder, like, oh, here's this pain again. I'm just going to lean into God. And I think that that can help us open up some heart space to, you know, approach some creative output again, sometimes. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, one of the things I talked about at the retreat that I found as an avenue to reaccessing my creativity away from writing, because I just really, you know, wasn't going to do that was um, art journaling for me has become mm -hmm. more and more, especially it really ramped up for me during the pandemic, which of course coincides with what I'm talking about. And I found that because I wasn't writing and I had this creative energy and I needed some place to like work it out and get it out of my system because I, I imagine this is true for anybody who has a creative practice that's also part of their own um, like processing the world. So writing for me is how I process the world. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not writing, then that means that things are sort of getting like, um, I think I called it um, 
like almost like a mental constipation and an emotional <laughs> constipation because I'm not processing that stuff. Right, right. Because I'm not writing it down and I'm not exactly, going yeah. through that whole act that I go through. Then it starts to sort of build up. And then I feel like I don't know what to do about this. This is, you know, this is not sustainable. Yeah. So if art journaling for me became an avenue through which I could be creative. But what I found I kept going to specifically was um, found poetry, which okay. is so interesting to me because I, I realized it only like later, not in the moment, that it was my way of writing without having to find the words in myself. The words okay. were somewhere on the page and my work became where do I see the words that are jumping out at me and how do I combine them to make something? And I was stunned when I look back at my art and I showed some of this work at the retreat, the ways I was actually processing my grief and my oh. feelings in found poetry, but I didn't go to it with that intent. Right. That was a, I think a Holy Spirit sort of intervention of God's yeah. like, I'm going to meet you here, even though I wasn't coming to it thinking, I need to process what I just talked about with my counselor, you know, it, was right. like, it, it wasn't that at all. It was like, I need to, my hands need to be busy. My mind needs to be busy. I'm going to paint. I'm going to cut. I'm going to just start doing things. Yeah, yeah. And it was happening subconsciously. And I when I look back now, especially at some particular pieces, I am blown away at how our subconscious is engaging with our creativity completely without our knowledge. I mean, mm. only only in the aftermath can I look and see, oh my goodness, like I know, I remember yeah. making that piece. I remember what was going on that day, but I also remember in the moments of making it not thinking through that stuff directly. Right, right. It was absolute byproduct. And so my whole um, focus when I was giving this talk was just on creative people learning to pivot when you can't mm -hmm. access your normal streams of creative outlet mm -hmm. that we pivot. And sometimes yeah. that pivot is big and sometimes it's not, it's just like a half turn, you know, sometimes we're just yeah, going a yeah. little bit of a different direction. But what I found was helpful was that I gave myself permission not to mm. write, that I stopped putting pressure on myself to be productive with words in the way that I normally am. Yeah. Because that pressure was un I like I couldn't I couldn't even handle it right just, for sure and it was only me putting it on myself there was nobody yeah. else sitting here demanding like you better write <laughs> you know yeah, it was just yeah. me going like but this is what I do I write and now I can't write and so there was this you know this pressure that I was putting on myself but as yeah. soon as I could say to myself don't worry about it just do this go to the art table go to the kitchen and bake a loaf of bread um you know just go do something else when I did that, I found that those, um, I'm thinking back to that Wendell Berry quote, those impeded streams mm -hmm. were singing. They were just singing yeah. things that I didn't know were there in yeah. different ways. Right, right. That's so good. I love that. Just going back to what you said, it's like you had to give yourself permission. I think that that's a, a really big part of it too, is that we have to give ourselves permission we just hold all this guilt if we don't. But yeah, I think you're right. We 
it's like our God created us to kind of know how to sort of take care of ourselves, right? And what I recently, I was reading the book, um, The Scars That Have Shaped Us by Benita Rizdar. It's an excellent book. But she finally coined this term that I have been looking for. Like when I talk about um, with other people, all the things that, you know, we go through on a daily basis. And they're like, how in the world do you like get through your day? And I'm just like, I don't know. It's 10 o'clock at night. My husband and I are like, how, like, how did we get here? Like, what all did we just go through to get here? And we realized that it's actually this thing that she coined called sustaining grace. It's his sustaining, his sustaining grace. And we, you know, uh, so often we want that delivering grace where he just like gets rid of our problem and makes it gone for us. And then everybody can see God's glory in that. And then we sort of complain about the sustaining grace, but it's the, the, the sustaining grace that gets us through our day that draws us to baking that bread that, you know, he's giving us these invitations and these opportunities to like be well and, and to love us and these little details that he's doing. And sometimes, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, it's 10 o'clock, we put our kids down and we're like, what, how did we get here? And then you can look back and you can see where he showed up and all these beautiful little ways. Mm. What you were just talking about reminds me of that. Just that sustaining grace is just so beautiful. I just love, isn't that a beautiful term? It is a I beautiful term. I love, mm. I love and, it. You know, and I, is, oh, go ahead. The Israelites complained, you know, about um, the manna that they, it's just like, you know, we, we gripe and complain about this, but if we can just stop and take a step back and just see how he is providing in these little ways, instead of these big deliverance ways, it's just beautiful. Yes. It's, it's, yeah. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. And I think there's, you know, you have to, you have to be honest with yourself about when you are actively resisting it, because I think that, um, you know, that's another thing that came up for me in the last couple of years when I wasn't writing and I was, you know, wanting, I wanted God to move in a very specific way with a specific situation. Mm -hmm. And I, oh, yeah, there yes. were, yeah, you know, right. <laughs> there were moments we, and moments, I mean, like weeks, months, maybe mm -hmm. where I was just insistent that God needed to do this. This is what you need to do. <laughs> Like, Lord, you obviously don't know. So I'm going to tell you what right, you need to right, do. It's so exactly. ridiculous, right? It's so ridiculous. <laughs> but I, I, you know, God, he's so patient with me because that is so often how I come to him is sort of with my agenda of like, yeah. this is what I want you to do. And I want you to do it this way. And I want you to do it in this time. And I think God is so kind and patient that I feel like he just sort of looks at me and, and just nods his head and lets me have my rant. Right. And then, you know, does what God's going to do anyway, you know, and, exactly. and just knows yeah. that like eventually through the work of the Holy Spirit, my heart will soften and I will see that God knows what God is doing, right. <laughs> which I know on an intellectual level. Sure, sure. <laughs> yes. know, it's, the, it's the kind of like getting it into my heart sometimes where there's right. a little jam up. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But I know that when... I can release even that, that expectation for that, um, saving grace, like you're talking about and and accept that what God is offering me is this sustaining grace instead. Mm -hmm. And that this saving, this sustaining grace is the saving grace. 
it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Because the saving doesn't always look like what we think it looks like. Exactly. What, yeah. what we think it needs to look like. Mm-hmm. And engaging, even the practice of engaging creatively in different ways served for me as a reminder of how God was sustaining me as a creative person, as an artist, as somebody who needs to process through images and words. God was showing up at my art table in ways that I did not imagine. Right. And then, and sometimes, like I said, ways that I didn't see until later, because only when I flipped back through and was looking at things that I was like, oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit is always working. Always. Yes. Sometimes we know it. Sometimes we don't. Yeah, exactly. And he, he, he doesn't waste anything. You know, he uses all of our, everything. He uses our, our trauma and he uses our grief, our joy. He uses it all. And sometimes he's doing a new thing in us, you know, trauma changes us and he might be making us into a new thing. So it's just like, like for me, I'm, I'm an artist. This is my, you know, I haven't touched my paint because I've been writing and it's just pouring out of me. And so God might be using my trauma to do this new thing. And I, you know, there, of course there's resistance and there's fear, but you you just, you lean into it because that's your obedience. And you know, that's how you can glorify him by leaning into it. And I don't know what he's going to do with it. You know, I'm like writing these pages of all this information about trauma and pain and, you know, sustaining and all this stuff. And, um, it's, it's just, it's God's doing a new thing in me. So we'll have to just kind of be obedient and see where it goes. Well, I think the creative posture of just welcoming it, just welcoming the new thing. And I think too, going to the, your art or your creative practice without the expectation that God is going to resolve the tension you know, that, that impeded stream, that vision of that. And it makes me think of like, um, even musical instruments, you know, the idea that the tension is where the music comes from. If a guitar isn't being played and there's no tension on the strings, there's no music. That's not, you know, the tension is required. That's so good. If you think about that in our creative, our creative endeavors, The tension is required, not in the way that I think we shouldn't chase down like this, like tortured artist, like, oh, let me go into like the darkest hole I can find because that's the only place I'm going to be able to create from. I don't think that's healthy. So I don't, I'm not advocating for like the pursuit of that. But my point is that God takes the tension that happens in our lives. And if we're open to it, music and art are made from that place. We don't Mm -hmm. have to seek it out. Uh, Nobody needs to go looking for trouble, right? Like, come on. (laughs) We don't need to look for it. It's going to find you. It it will find you and it will overstay its welcome. So we don't need to chase it down, but we can trust that in that place, the the spirit is working and moving in ways that we can not even begin to imagine. I really believe that. And I have to believe that because that is what sustains me when chaos and crisis don't make any sense, because mm-hmm. I think that I am always resistant. I don't want to come to my pain or anybody else's pain thinking like, um, what is God going to teach you through this? Not mm-hmm. that God won't teach you something through it, but I know plenty of people who've suffered um, 
and you know, we kind of go, why? We don't know why, no. you know, there's no, there's no like five points to your suffering. Well, this is why you had to suffer, you know, and we don't walk away from grief like that. That is not how it works. And so I don't think that we have to approach it that way because mm -hmm. I do think that if you engage with God in the tension, you will learn things. You will learn things about God. You will learn things about yourself. Absolutely. You will learn things about his kingdom and his vision and his calling for you without, like, you don't have to go into it needing to check those boxes. Yeah. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think every creative person has like, has read the, the war of art with the mm -hmm. Stephen Pressfield, you know, and, and resistance is the enemy of creativity. And I think that, you know, for us, I think that resistance is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to lean into God and, and to see what he has there for us. So, and, and he can meet us there and, and then he can do a new thing. And so I think that, I think it's, you know, it's really exciting in that way. Whereas resistance usually be. isn't exciting at all. <laughs> no. And I'm not, I don't want to hear, I don't want anybody to hear me saying like, um, that I want the resistance, you yeah, know, knowing exactly. that the tension is where the music comes from. Doesn't mean that I want it. I am not interested. True. You know, I don't, who wants to live a life of struggle? Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's a matter of identifying what is the resistance? You know, where is it coming from? Is it internal? Is it external? Is it situational? Is it spiritual? Is there something going on? You know, I believe in spiritual warfare. I've been, a, you know, I've yeah. been a, in the, in the crosshairs enough to say that there's sure. nothing else that can explain this. So I believe it. Yeah. Um, I know not everybody, you know, people feel differently about that, but for me, I feel like, no, it's very real. Yeah. And so identifying what is the actual resistance that we're experiencing and then recognizing that sometimes the resistance I think can be an invitation to rest and not sure mm -hmm. produce you know absolutely some seasons are just not for producing and yeah that's okay for sure too, you know yes yeah and that's I think that's tough for creatives um and I you know and I think that that's where that reframing sort of your creative output or your practice can come in handy, right? Like you can just seek beauty and that's enough, you know, for this time of rest. I like to sort of think of trauma as I was writing this out, I was realizing we're so, we're so hard on ourselves. We put so much pressure on ourselves, all these high expectations, but wouldn't it be helpful if we could treat our trauma like it was a friend in trauma? You know, if we had this friend going through trauma, we wouldn't be pushy and place these, you know, expectations on them or this heavy load to like make this output. We wouldn't do that. We would be gentle and have compassion. And it's just hard for us to do that to our for ourselves, I think, sometimes. So yes, sometimes that rest is definitely just all we need and it's good enough. Well, and when you think about the way creativity tends to work in us, sometimes you need those pauses, even if they're unwelcome, even if, you know, you're like, but I want to be making right now, Lord, you know, and God's like, you're not making right now. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes those pauses become places of, I, I, more and more, and this isn't, I wouldn't say this is always how I've thought of it, but more and more, I try to see those as seasons of like collecting, like I'm collecting mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. that I'll create from later. I can't create from them right yes. now but I'm yeah. going to collect them. Like we were talking about in the beginning, these, you know, collecting images of beauty, chasing these, these right. moments of beauty and storing them up because later when mm -hmm. I'm able 
I'm going to open that drawer or that closet and I'm going to start taking those things out and Mm -hmm. I'm going to make something from that or not. Maybe they'll just be my treasure that will be like little Ebenezer's of moments that I remember engaging with the Lord, but I'm not really, they're not for production. They're not for, they're not going to become something. But I think also those seasons can be like, those are, you're gathering your raw materials. Yes. And some of those are, you know, they're sucky and not what we want. We don't want to have to get our hands dirty to, to mine for that stuff. But I've seen how God is so kind to use things that I did not think were purposeful in the moment later and have found such, um, upside down and like backwards gift in that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think of that as a gift at the time, but I see Mm -hmm. the gift of it now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love that. I wrote a big part on that and it's, it's, it's just, it's just the beauty. (laughs) It's the beauty of how God works in our lives, I think. And then something else that you said about flipping it upside down, that I thought was really cool. I want to share this with you, that book that, that referenced the Beneath the Risner. Are you familiar with her? I am. Mm -hmm. Okay. So she shared that someone once shared with her that there's this exercise where you like graph on a, you know, on a timeline, the highs and lows of your life. So you've got this, you know, zigzag kind of thing going on and you label it and then you flip it around and that's how God views your highs and lows. So what you thought was your lowest low God is using that or could you could use that as an opportunity for ministry or like for something really great to be birthed and born out of that. And that was just so I'm a visual person, of Mm -hmm. course, (laughs) I'm an artist. So I was like, wow, that is like so powerful. And it's so true. It's like in our lowest of lows, it's where we're growing, you know, it's where we're learning and he's teaching us things and then we can use that. I just think that's so beautiful. I absolutely love that because I mean, for so many reasons, I'm very visual too. And that makes me think of, but it reminds me of, um, you know, even like the desert in scripture, the desert is a place of intimacy with the Lord. It's not a place of abandonment, but we see it like that. So much of our life, when we hit these, you know, desert seasons, we feel like God has abandoned us there. But the desert is a place of intimacy with the holy. Like that is where God is walking so close with us. When you think about like the story of the Israelites following God in the pillar and the cloud and like God was constantly present, mm, constantly, yes, every yes. every literal step of the way. And anytime you look at those desert seasons, even like Jesus in the wilderness, That was not a place where God abandoned him. He didn't abandon him in the wilderness. He was so closely present with him in the wilderness, in the word that Jesus was using to rebuke the temptations of the enemy. The word, which is living and active, Mm -hmm. was God's presence within the sun in the wilderness. And so if we think about those lows, those seeming lows as places of abandonment. And then I love that visual of like flipping that yeah. upside down and saying, yeah. no, these are the places where we've walked actually more intimately with God than yeah. we even realize sometimes. But I also think the, the other piece of that, and I'll, I'll have to read her book. I haven't read it yet, but it's been on my list for a long time. Um, is that idea that you have to be a little bit open to it too. Like, I feel like God is not, um, 
that is not pushy in the way that, you know, if you're, if you're saying I'm not interested in your presence here, I think God respects that sometimes in us. I think sometimes God pursues us anyway, or always pursues us anyway, but it's not this overt, like, I'm going to make you see it my way. Yeah. So much of the time it's a, so I think our work then as creative people and people who are struggling or dealing with things is to mm-hmm. stay open to God's interaction in the midst of our suffering yeah. and not push it away. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that that's really a huge, a huge part of it. Just leaning in. I've heard, you know, a lot of people um, who have some sort of a, a, a health challenge, a medical challenge or, like uh, what's Joni Erickson, Tata, mm-hmm. the author who's like quadriplegic, you know, they, they say things like, and even um, Vanitha, just like I, in seasons when I was well and happy and good, you're just, you don't see God. Right. And so it's like in these seasons where you're in pain and you're in suffering or long suffering, that's when you're the most intimate with him. And it's like, they long to be back in those seasons where they're in pain because in the good seasons, he, he feels like he's not there. Mm. So I, I just, I think what a interesting, like, you know, paradigm shift, you know, to think about that is when we feel the closest with him is in these hard, hard seasons. I mean, I know that's kind of opposite of what you were just saying, but that's what it reminded me of. And I just, it's just so, it's so personal and it's so beautiful. And you're right. We just have to be open to it and see what, you know, where he yeah. shows up. Well, I don't think for a minute, and I would not say that those desert seasons are times where you necessarily feel like you're walking the closest with the yeah. Lord. I would say most of those seasons, I feel really estranged from God for a lot of it. And it and it feels very difficult. It's usually only either, maybe sometimes at a certain point in it, God will make it, God's presence like really known. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I see now, but usually it's only in hindsight where I look and go, Oh, there was that sustaining grace. Like we talked about already, mm-hmm. just like yeah, I hindsight, <laughs> hindsight, right? Yes. Oh. Hindsight for sure. It's so, yeah. it's so hard that sometimes it, that's what, that's only when we get that perspective. But yeah. I think, I think that's where, um, and you talked a little bit about this earlier, I think about knowing like clinging to scripture and knowing what's true helps sustain you in those seasons. And even in, you know, these creative dry spells, when you know what's true, even if you don't feel it, even if you don't feel like you can access it, um, that does help carry you through the season you're in. Yeah. Even if it's only like, I know there was a season where, um, I was really having trouble accessing the word. I was really struggling to read my Bible and just feeling like, I don't know, like I just felt really detached from it all. And like, I don't go through the emotions, but like, I don't know, you know, it just wasn't hitting my heart in the way that I was used to, Yeah, which was disorienting. But what I found in that season was I was engaging with the word through songs. And I started okay. listening to a lot more um, like hymns or re re um, like reimagined hymns and things like that, where they've been, you know, kind of brought up to current modern um, style yeah. of music and things like that, more modern. Um, and I found that that was where I was accessing the word, even though like scripture reading directly in my Bible was really challenging for me. And a lot of it was grief. I was just feeling 
mm-hmm. my way through some really hard things and just feeling like this book feels too hard for me right now. Like yeah. it just feels too hard. But even that, you know, I was getting it. And so I think creatively, again, like that's a creative way. Like, okay, so I can't go to the word in the way that I'm used to. How else can I be fed? How else can I be nourished? I'm going right. to go to music. Music yeah. is accessible to me right now. And I think as artists and people and just people, 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 whatever you do, whether yeah. you're an artist or not, like right. being open to different avenues of engaging with your faith that maybe feel out of the box for you or like, well, that's not normally what I do, but right. maybe, maybe that's going to be the only thing that sustains you in this season, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm. definitely. Wow. I agree with that. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. There's no, there's no shortcuts. There's no easy answers. It's yeah, definitely. I think that you know, like, like we touched on earlier, God sort of, the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And so he's sort of this subconscious that we were talking about, like we are guiding ourselves to what's feeling good and like kind of what's feeling right, sustaining us. It's really not us. I mean, it's really our helper because that's why God placed them there. And so it's just when you, when you can appreciate that and, and recognize it, maybe it's hindsight that you do. It's just such a beautiful thing because it is hard and God promised, he basically promises us that it's going to be hard, but then he also promises us this helper. And so I think that that's, you know, a helper that's there um, through it all and the dry seasons, the hard seasons, the productive seasons, you know, he's there for creatives, for non-creatives. I mean, everybody's Mm -hmm. creative, but yeah, I think it's really a beautiful thing. Yeah. It is. And I think that the, I guess my encouragement or advice for anybody is just to keep pivoting, just keep, yeah, keep turning and seeing like, what, what else, what other ways can I engage with the Lord? What other ways can I engage with my art that I know God has put in me? I know I'm wired this way to make and to do these kinds of things. So what else is available to me? Yeah. And Maybe it's something you've never, ever done before. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, something I'll speak to this too, is that like I've told you, I'm a painter. I mean, I've, I do a little bit of everything, but I, and God's putting me in this writing, but for a very long time, as I was like earnestly seeking him, like, God, what can I do right now? I'm bursting at the seams. And I felt like I just was, he was not speaking to me. Like there was just this silence. And then it just sort of, you know, like I realized that I had been having these nudges to write and I was ignoring them because I was like, no, 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 that's not like what I do. I'm not a writer. There's, there's excellent writers out there. I'm not one of them. And, you know, I just kept asking and kept earnestly seeking for this, you know, this response from him. And then I realized that he had given me this response. He had said, Kelly, start writing but I was ignoring him. And so he wasn't answering me because he was just waiting for me to get out of my own way. <laughs> so and when I finally realized that, Oh, this thing that just keeps nudging me in my heart, this is God telling me like, this is the answer I'm giving you. You just have not been listening to me. So yeah, finally your eyes are open and you can yeah. you know be obedient to it. But I think that happens too. So I think there are some, you know, sometimes when there's this silence, but he's already answered us. We just haven't been obedient to that you know his answer (laughs) for fear resistance whatever the reason maybe that's 
Yeah. Wow. That's such a good word. I, I understand that. I feel like I've lived lots of seasons like that where God has already spoken and I keep praying like, what do you want me to do? What's the best yeah. thing? And God's yeah. like, um, I've already told I've you. Already, <laughs> we've already talked about this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, but he's just so gentle and kind and good and he's patient with us. And so, yeah. and he keeps giving us the nudges to where you just can't really ignore it anymore. And you can't really like, you know, you're like, is this my thought? Is this your thought? Like you, it's like undeniable because it just kind of keeps coming. So mm. I love that. And that makes me think of, you know, um, one of the ways I, I, one of the questions I used to get from people a lot, because whenever I would talk about feeling like God was telling me to do this or that or the other, I'm, I really try to be careful about saying like God said, because mm. I don't, I feel like that's just really tricky territory. And I, sure. I don't know that I could a hundred percent ever say, well, God exactly said this to me, but there have been times where I have sensed the spirit so strongly. Um, And one of the ways, you know, people have asked me like, well, how do you know? And I have like two ways of discerning that. And one of them is, and I think this is super important is like, is it, is it drawing you closer to the Lord or further from the Lord? If it's drawing Mm -hmm. you closer to the Lord, I think you can trust it. I feel like yeah, that's pretty solid. If it's, if it's bringing me back to scripture, if it's bringing me back to loving God's people, if it's bringing me yeah. back to these places, then that is a good and trustworthy thing. Um, if it's sending me off into like some other place and I'm, you know, getting really narcissistic or really self-focused, like that's probably not the Lord. I don't think that yeah. God is calling me to that. Um, also same thing, like if it's calling me away from my, God-given vocations, like as a mom, as a wife, like Mm -hmm. I always say that God is not going to call me to something that he doesn't call my husband to. Mm -hmm. So he's not trying to drive a wedge between me and my husband. So if if something I'm pursuing is driving a wedge, I need to, I need to seriously consider what voices I'm listening to. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I would say that for discernment. And I think that applies creatively, but I think the other piece is, um, do I feel like this aligns with how God has made me? And and am I seeking wisdom? Like, so if I'm if I want to know what God is telling me, or if this is God telling me, I feel like the test is always: Are you praying for wisdom? Are you listening? And if you're praying for wisdom and you're stepping out in faith, trusting that God is present with you, then you can also trust that if you have taken a step the wrong direction or whatever, that the spirit is going to keep like the Mm -hmm. curve. It's going to keep bringing you back to where you're supposed to be because you're, that's what you're seeking. And God knows that's what your heart is seeking. So if you're like actively in prayer, then you can, I, I think, I guess I say that because, you know, like we were talking about, like you hear the Lord and you're like, do I do this? Do I not do this? Is this God speaking to me? Like you can, you don't have to necessarily wait for like the neon sign answer. Mm -hmm. You can pray. Wouldn't it be nice though? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I always beg for neon signs. Like I'm always like, Lord, write it in the sky, please. Like just make it big because my eyes are getting bad. (laughs) Make make it unmistakable. And I feel like so often that does not make it unmistakable. But that's where I, I just go back to, okay, well, let me just trust that I'll take a step in faith. And if it's not what, if I'm misinterpreting, if I'm not hearing correctly, God is going to just like curve me back to where I need to be. And that has freed me up to take those 
steps and take those creative risks even sometimes and know that like, if this isn't what God wants, God's going to make that clear. Absolutely. You know, so yeah, you're free to engage. Yeah, that's good. Free to engage. That's good. I like that. Free to engage. Yeah. That just popped in there. So yeah. Thank you for this, Kelly. I really appreciate it. It's really a gift to talk to you. No, you too, Chris. I'm just, this is like, this is where I've been sitting lately. So it's good to kind of hash it out and talk about it. And I truly appreciate your post. And I am one of those I'm in a gathering stage right now. So I hop on Instagram or whatever for just like a few minutes. And I'm glad that it's, you know, I have just a few followers that I, that pop up and then I am gathering my inspiration and then I, mm-hmm. I get back off again because I am I am there. I am that person living in trauma, trying to figure it out. So I'm just, well, yeah, you're not alone. I can. <laughs> you're not alone. I know that. And I, I actually, I love what you just said because it makes me think that, um, it's so easy to, at least for me, it's so easy to get mired down in the negatives of social media and feel like this is such a, you know, it can be so toxic and like a waste of time and all of these things. Yeah. But what you just yeah. said, triggering, right. Like it can just feel like a really hard space, but yeah. what you just said reminded me that what we can be doing and what we can look at what we're doing is laying breadcrumbs out for others and letting them gather from something that they don't have of themselves in that season. And maybe if we can look at it that way, the work and the art of it can feel generative and like an offering that we're just sprinkling out some of what we have. Like a guy gave me these breadcrumbs. I'm going to share them. Yeah. And if I share them, then you can come on there and you can collect a few for yourself. I I love that. It just That's came to me. Like beautiful. I literally just thought of it when you said what you said. It just triggered that idea. I have cold chills. Like that's beautiful. I love that. That's really good. That's really well, good. Well, I, I I really think that's just the spirit because I think it's it as it, social media is really hard. Actually, June mm-hmm. we're coming up on June. I'm getting ready to take a social media break for the month of June um, because I it's a hard space and mm-hmm. I I deal with just a steady feeling of tension around engaging there. Mm -hmm. But I, I like trying to frame it in ways that help me see that it isn't all terrible or it isn't all not worth it. Because if I know that I can put something out there and nourish somebody, even just a little, then that's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. I mean, I had, I, I, I sent you some of my homeschool and my art, you know, accounts and stuff. And there were times where, you know, the scripture, like, are you trying to please man? Or are you trying to please God? Like you have to test your motives. And even, you know, I can fool myself and just be like, well, you know, I'm like throwing a scripture in there or I'm like glorifying God with this. So it's okay. But I know that my heart motives are not like in the right place. And so it, and, and in that sense, we can fool ourselves. And I think it becomes very, a slippery slope. And so, yeah, it's, we have to constantly be, I think, monitoring <laughs> what social media is doing to us Um, and as creatives, especially because, I mean, it's part of your like brand, right? Like being on social media. So it's a, it's a slippery slope. It's a tough one to manage. I think just constantly be questioning our motives. Oh yeah. I, I, I always say like, I don't trust myself in that way because I know my motives are always mixed. You know, I know there's always, you know, there's always something that is wanting to, 
um, offer something for others, but I know that I like affirmation. So I know that as an affirmation junkie, that that is a very real piece of what's going on. So I always have to be conscious of that. But even as, as I was listening to, I was thinking about the wisdom of recognizing that, especially when you're grieving or when you're dealing with trauma, like you're, you're more susceptible to all kinds of things in those seasons when it's really, you know, I mean, I think on some level, we're always dealing with some level of trauma or always dealing with some level of grief, but when it's like really intense and you're really walking through the heat of that, recognizing that that susceptibility to, to our hearts and our souls in those seasons means that we need to be careful about what we're exposing ourselves to and what we're engaging in not just because our motives, but because we can be looking for things that we're looking for some kind of healing or some kind of relief that isn't real, that isn't, Mm. isn't going to actually do the work that God is going to do. And so it's like, we can be, I think it is possible to be storing up the wrong things. Absolutely. For sure. And that's, that's a slippery slope too. Yeah. You're totally right. Well, I don't, I say that just, I appreciate your wisdom in saying that you're, how you're having to limit your engagement because you recognize, Mm -hmm. you know, where you're at, the triggering. I think there's, I think there's sometimes a temptation when we're, I don't understand this psychologically. I'm sure somebody could explain it, but like, you know, maybe our propensity as people to like, we Mm want to see the train wreck. That sounds so terrible, but you know, like we, we, we can't look at it and yet we can't look away sometimes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's the temptation when you're dealing with trauma or even when you're being triggered to keep going back to that thing Mm, mm -hmm. instead of saying, this is not good for me. Right. I have (laughs) to stop. I need to step away from this. This is not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I just appreciate your, your wisdom and saying like, I can't really, you know, I have to be careful about how much I'm on there. That's yeah. just a word I think for anybody who's in that place too, to think about that. Like, is this, is this really helping you or is it, is it hurting you? And if it's hurting yeah. you, you have to stop. Like you, exactly. <laughs> whatever you have to do, delete the yeah. app, whatever you got to do, get away from it. Yeah. And I think God wants us to do that too. Sometimes, you know, that resistance mm-hmm. that we have for even getting on there is probably the Holy Spirit saying, don't do it. Like right. <laughs> if you're so bothered by it, then don't. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, such a good word. Well, I really appreciate you and I appreciate this conversation. I feel like this isn't the last time we're going to talk. So yeah. <laughs> be ready. I'm sure we'll right. want to talk again. Yeah, I love it. This is, yeah, this is great. I've been, I really appreciate you and this opportunity. And it's been great for me to like sort of get all this information together before we spoke. And like I said, I think I have, I don't know what God's doing, but I just keep taking those steps and it's looking like a book or something. I don't even know. So we'll see. (laughs) Keep taking the steps. That's my encouragement. Keep taking the steps. Okay. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank you. Refined, the podcast, is sponsored by Refined Media, parent company of Refined the Retreat. For inspiration and to learn more about what we do, what we make, and how to participate, connect with us at refineretreat.com or on Instagram at refineretreat. Thanks for listening.